Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Connects Podcast. This week, we discuss how the industrial IoT is revolutionizing the oil and gas industry. I'm joined by Mark Carrier, RTI Market Development Director for Oil and Gas. Mark, thanks for joining us. In order to kick things off, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do here at RTI? Yeah. So uh, it's kind of interesting because before I joined RTI, I was a customer of RTI for quite a long time. Uh, I joined as the uh, market development director uh, for oil and gas, process automation, and uh, ITS, the intelligent transportation systems. I have spent the last 15 years uh, working in upstream oil and gas. I was a computer scientist uh, leading several projects defined, or designing and architecting, building uh, several large uh highly distributed systems, uh, everything from seismic systems to uh, autonomous drilling platforms. Well, let's start with the basics. Uh, oil and gas has been an industry facing some significant changes and challenges over the past few years. What is the current outlook? What's keeping your customers up at night? I guess probably one of the biggest problems that they face is, is efficiency, uh, better ways of integrating, essentially reducing cost, reducing the number of people on site to increase profits. Uh, the price of oil, uh, 2008 hit rock bottom. 2015, it, uh, bottomed out again. And these big dives at oil price really kind of reframe how the, uh, the industry thinks when the price of oil is very high. It's not a lot of attention paid to, uh, you know, more optimal performance, more optimal solutions, uh, better integration. Um, but when the when the price of oil declines, it happens very rapidly, uh, literally almost overnight, and it causes a huge impact on the industry. I think because 2008 happened, 2015 came a few years after that. Uh, that was a a very big shift uh, in the way of uh, uh, the industry is, has their mindset right now. Um, there's been a big focus on automation in the past, um, and automation was really to drive more efficient operations. It was really around safety, around reducing the number of people on site. But now I think people are, are uh, since the frequency of these uh, drops are happening, and there's a prediction that in 2019 we'll have another collapse in oil price, and it will probably never hit the uh, highs that we've seen in the past. So it's probably going to stable out somewhere between or stabilize somewhere between forty sixty dollars a barrel. So I think because of that, uh, competition uh, will be very big. So people are really looking for ways to position themselves right now, as and they're looking at technology because you're looking at an industry that, if you look at the industry four uh, stack, this is an industry where part of the industry is still, uh, you know, in. 2.0 and barely in 3.0. So they're really looking to leapfrog themselves into the 4.0, which means adopting technology. Um, it's an industry that's built on a mechanics, hydraulics, uh, information is passed around by, uh, post-it notes, emails, phone calls. Um, so the adoption of the digital age is, uh, is only something that we've seen in the last few years. I think. Uh, the last major advancement, uh, on a mechanical rig, uh, as far as equipment was really back in the eighties and then the introduction of control systems in the early two thousands. And that was kind of stepping into industry 3.0. And that was about 
30, 40 years after most other market segments have, have gotten into, which is kind of interesting because now I think that the, the oil field itself will probably get to industry 4.0 before manufacturing and, and other segments do. Right, which is huge for an industry that hasn't changed in years. Yeah, so you can see how much the the price of oil really affects their decision making, and uh, it's you know there are so many players out there, and I, I think that people realize that once oil kind of bottoms out again, we're right now we're just seeing land uh, is is huge, uh, offshore is slowly coming back, and it's just because of the the technological advancements that we've made. Land can be done more efficiently; it's much cheaper. Um, offshore, uh, reservoirs still produce a lot of oil, but they're extremely expensive to exploit those resources. How can RTI help addressing these sort of, um, issues? Yeah. So it's, it's, so I look at the, the technology that, that we make at RTI and is more than just a technology. It's really an idea and a philosophy because it allows you to look at how you design a system and how you integrate systems in a much different way than we've traditionally done in the past. Typically, we engineer a solution, um, which results in a system that's not highly scalable. Uh, they're expensive to maintain as uh, future growth, future direction comes within a system. Uh, it's, it's very hard to adapt these systems to, to new ideas, new functionality, new features. So uh, because of uh, the technology that that we make at RTI, we can start to look at the system in a completely different way, which is data. So I'm going to look at all the data that a system exchanges, and that's everywhere from the, the control systems, uh, you know, looking at the encoders on a motor, all the way up to how a business runs its supply chain, because all of this information is related. Um, so if you kind of look at the industry as a, a data model, you can start to build applications around that data model. And it's very interesting. Um, I recently gave a talk about uh, applications, types of applications that, that fit into these, these market segments. And I classified them in two ways. One is analytics and one is automation. If you look around, everybody is doing analytics. Uh, I've gone to so many conferences over the last few months, and I would say 95% of the talks are about uh, analytics, IoT platforms, blockchains. Um, and the interesting thing is these are automation conferences and you don't really hear much about automation. And it's because to actually do real automation and use the analytics, which is uh, the goal of, of why they're doing that, uh, to optimize the processes is you need to have a bi-directional flow of your data. And most of the technologies out there aren't suitable for closing the loop. Um, analytics are interesting because they're so far removed from the loop. You don't really need uh, good quality data. You can spend as much time normalizing that data as it takes, right? You're pulling data from from different sources and, and kind of normalizing it into something that's understandable. And then you optimize it and then you want to use that uh, to drive your processes. But you're already so far removed, uh, you can't easily use that data, Um but with our technology, when you define uh, data models, you can add context to the data at every level. So the normalization is done as part of as the system itself is is producing data. So the context is already there, and because we provide uh, you know multi-directional data flow, actually data anywhere you need data, um, we are actually enabling 
um, these market segments to kind of achieve the goal they want, which is automation and autonomous behavior. Great. So you gave us a high level example of how RTI is helping customers. Can you do a deep dive in explaining how a company in the oil and gas industry is using Connects DDS specifically? Yeah. So if you look at the upstream oil and gas segment, uh, there are four natural market segments that fall in there. You have uh, the OEMs who manufacture the equipment. You have the uh, operators who are the, the stakeholders and managers of the, the reservoirs and basically trying to exploit that. And then they hire contractors and service companies to actually go put holes in the ground and uh, produce the, the reservoir um, so they can you know turn the hydrocarbons into oil and other retail products, energy products. Uh, and traditionally, there hasn't been a... Uh, a well-defined system integrator in the upstream oil and gas, uh, which is actually something that, that's changing very quickly. But the the contractors in upstream oil and gas uh, are essentially the de facto um, system integrator because at the well site, that's where everything comes together. The service companies, OEMs, um, you know, the contractor is responsible for for bringing all these tools and services together to perform operations and the data that's produced from that operations um, is shipped off or shipped off to the uh, the operator. Um, so once we were able to identify like kind of where this natural point of integration was, uh, and this is all performed by uh, humans, all the operations, and uh, most of the automation advancements that have taken place in the last few years have just been around uh, kind of the repetitive motion on on tools. So move a tool up and down n number of times or left and right n number of times. But in these stochastic environments, uh, you know, the distance you need to move or go up and down or something is constantly changing. So just memorizing a point and moving to that point is, isn't really good enough. And the equipment, uh, so that's why humans uh, have been running the equipment for a long time because the, the equipment really isn't that automated. So you have all these analytics that you're producing. You want to optimize the process, but those analytics actually have to come back to a human so there's really no way to close the loop in, in an efficient manner because, you know, the humans operate at different times than, than machines and processes do. By building a, an autonomous system, and you can actually include the human in the loop into this autonomous system, you can actually start to orchestrate the movement of these tools based on high-level objectives. And this provides a natural integration point, which then allows you to go back to those two applications I talked about, which were analytics and uh, automation. So now I have a natural integration point. I have semantic interoperability on my data and I have the ability for full loop closure because uh, RTI connects. Uh, we have this wonderful thing called quality of service, which when I'm looking at my data, I can look at it in a very deterministic way and make decisions uh, based on that determinism. Okay, great. So we've talked about the climate of the market and how RTI can help. I want to take this opportunity to get a little technical and talk about the technology itself, uh, how Connects DDS works in terms of interoperability and data centricity. What makes this software different than other connectivity softwares out there? Okay. Well, you just actually hit the nail on the head, uh, data centricity. So uh, every technology that's out there, at least that I'm familiar with, is a, is a message-based. So what it means is we're connecting applications to applications. 
But really what these applications care about within a system is the data. So uh, what happens is we overcomplicate our applications. We put a lot of logic duplicated all through different ap applications. We worry about a lot of things that we don't need to worry about. Um, and we have some really good system design principles called uh, coupling and cohesion. So what happens is we have end up with highly coupled systems, which are not easily or not very good at scaling. Uh, they're hard to maintain, especially when you want to, uh, you know, and not scalable, especially when you want to distribute things. Um, and then we end up with weak cohesion because um, we have information spread all over the place where we don't need to do that. But when you design a system to be data centric, you're actually designing the data within the system and then you're designing uh, the relationships between that data within a system. And then you're defining the qualities of that data because observers and producers of data within a system have very different needs of that data. So you allow uh, an entity within a system to only worry about the things that I need to worry about. So it allows uh, applications to take on uh, very different roles. Uh, it allows them to have a domain of responsibility. I can only, I can focus on just the thing that I need to focus on because I know that the data that I'm looking at, I can trust. And if I can't trust it, uh, RTI DDS connects will let me know that, uh, the quality that I, uh, I'm looking for the data isn't being met. So now I can make decisions about what to do because I have all of the information available to me. Yeah. As a domain of authority, um, I can make decisions, um, in a kind of a natural, uh, system hierarchy. Uh, so as new objectives come into the system, um, I'm scalable for future features and future objectives. Um, think about it like, uh, cells, uh, like you think about it, like your sweat glands, uh, you sweat for many, many different reasons. In traditional systems, we would program all the reasons why you would sweat into the cells. And then if a new reason or a new objective came along, then you would have to go back and recode that to the system, add that new feature. But the fact that they uh, um, produce sweat um, because of a chemical response. So as new things uh, happen within our bodies that may cause us to sweat, it's just because of that, uh, you know, the chemical response. So it's not programmed into the into the glands themselves. They're just responding the way that they always do. So it allows you to really look at a system in a very, very different way. Uh, that's why I said earlier, it's kind of an idea, ideology and philosophy. Uh, it's just a completely different way of viewing systems. Excellent. Well, thanks for that explanation. So now I'd like to run through an oil and gas scenario with you and just get your feedback on how this relates to Edge to cloud capabilities, QoS, etc. Okay, here it is. If I'm an upstream operator and I have lots of data coming in from an oil rig that's 10 miles offshore or from gas produced during a blizzard in North Dakota, how does Connect's DDS handle that data, particularly when remote communications go down? Okay, so that's a good question. Um, so we can talk about it in two ways. So because I'm just looking at the data that I care about in the system. And I, I said a little bit ago, there's always a natural hierarchy. So in, this, in these systems, you can simplify it by saying there's control data, which is the, the asset itself and the data there. Then there's the process data. And it's, uh, it's a higher level abstraction about the process that's actually being performed. 
Um, and then there's uh, business data, right? Um, that I'm worried uh, that I'm looking at storing in the cloud and um, doing my analytics and seeing how I can optimize my processes much better. So because of that, that natural hierarchy, there's a natural different set of data models that can be developed. So quality of service is really important because in traditional systems, I would have to know that I'm speaking a certain field bus and I'm, and I'm talking a certain network protocol. The transport is, uh, you know, wireless or cellular or satellite. And I have to know what those latencies are. Um, so as I am writing my application, which is uh, like here, monitoring back at site, you know, of, of remote assets, I would have to, my application would have to have an understanding of all these different transport mechanisms, the latencies, so that as I'm monitoring data coming in, if I'm not getting data within certain periods of times, uh, my application is going to be programmed in a way that's uh, trying to understand all of these different ways that data can be shipped around. But uh, with quality of service, I can just set expectations. I know that as a human observing data, like my natural response time is between one and 300 milliseconds. Anything coming in faster than that, I can't really consume. And anything coming in slower than that is uh, um, something that gets my attention. So if I'm, if I'm monitoring, uh, let's say, an offshore uh, asset like you just described, and I'm watching the trend line and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm seeing some graphs and they're, they're kind of moving around, but then suddenly the data stops coming in. When these traditional systems, it would be very hard for me to, or as a developer to understand why that data was not coming in. And I would try to do all kinds of things on the, on the UI, maybe set some alarms. Um, here I don't need to do that. I can, uh, because of quality of service, I can see that I can set a deadline that says, Hey, I expect to see data. Let's just say at 300 milliseconds. And at 300 milliseconds, if I haven't received any new data, um, the application will be alerted through RTI Connects because I've, I've said, uh, you know, my deadline is 300 milliseconds. So I can continue plotting or showing the data, but now I can start to visualize it in a different way because maybe there's some jitter latency on the line and, and, you know, hopefully it'll come back. So maybe I've got a, a green bar and, and because of this, this missed samples, I start to turn it yellow. So then I, you know, it can get my attention that way. And, uh, um, and then, you know, maybe the data starts flowing again and it goes back to green and, um, maybe vlog that somewhere so that, uh, you know, somebody can go look at the, maybe there's an issue in the connectivity or something. Um, but it just changes the way that, uh, that I can, I can observe, uh, my data. So with connects, because I'm not, and uh, looking at the, the transport layer on the data, I'm really just focused on those quality of service. My applications can do so much more uh, because the complexity in the application isn't about managing the data. It's about just displaying it. Or if, if, if I'm controlling uh, something remotely and I, I lose that, that signal that I need or the quality that I need to, to actually be able to do control you know, the HMI or the screen that I'm, I'm observing can just gray that out. Um, we still have the problem that we'd have with the traditional system that we need to, you know, understand what happened. Did we lose connectivity? Did we, you know, is the data, you know, essentially what happened to my, my connection? Um, but fortunately with, uh, with connects, there's enough semantics actually built into the, uh, to our technology that I can kind of distinguish if something 
goes away because it's supposed to go away or it goes away um, because something happened. So then I can start to display this type of information on the screen to the user to give a lot, you know, much better diagnostics. It's just very difficult to do that with traditional message-based systems because you don't have the right quality of service to be able to do that. Right. So this is actually a good segue here. You said that connected DDS is easy to operate from a user's standpoint in these somewhat complicated environments. And on the surface, the technology sounds complicated. How does Connect DDS make the user experience easier? Yeah. In fact, it's, I think the, the hardest people or the hardest problem that people have when they, when they start using the technology is because it's a paradigm shift. You really have to start thinking about how you design a system differently. And it's been, you know, I myself was guilty of that when I first started using the technology and then, um, you know, after a while you start to use it, um, you realize you're still doing lots of stuff in your application that the, the data bus does for you. So as you gain more, uh, understanding of the data bus and, and really the paradigm on how to do it, it just completely reduces the complexity of your application. And, and it really actually makes developing an application, a distributed application much, much easier because you're really just dealing with data and you're dealing with events on that data. So I don't need to be looking at data constantly to see if it's changed. Um, I can just tell the data bus, hey, only tell me when data's changed. Or if I'm looking at a temperature sensor and I want to see if it's exceeded a certain threshold, I don't need to sit there and say like 32 degrees, 32 degrees, 32 degrees. Oh, it's 34 degrees. I can just put a query on the data bus that says, Tell me when it's 34 degrees, and then I don't have to do anything. My application just sits there idle until I've got the, the event has happened, and then my application gets notified, and it does what it needs to do, and then it goes back. And So it just it allows you to really simplify. Uh, I mean, I can't even stress that enough. It's, uh, it's almost cultish the way I say it, but it's, uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how simple it becomes to – and then you can really focus on the complexities of the application that, that you need to, not on the connectivity and um, passing of information around. Great. So I want to take a turn here now that we're winding down the conversation uh, and talk about research organizations that support this industry. Does RTI have any program to support development efforts? Uh, we have a university program, uh, which is uh, really good. We're actually putting together... Um, kind of a new marketing strategy for our university program to get the word out. Uh, for me, I'm very excited because uh, there are several universities uh, that I'm interested uh, in targeting, um, like University of uh, Texas in Austin, the University of Houston. Uh, these schools have big research programs with a lot of the major oil and gas companies, uh, especially now with uh, data science becoming very big. And that all goes back to the analytics and the whole reason they want to use analytics is for automation. Um, so yeah, that program is, uh, we're in the process of redefining it. And, uh, as soon as we're done, I'm actually planning on hitting several universities to, to get the word out because, uh, I think, uh, starting with the young minds, with the fresh ideas, with the guys that are doing the new stuff, uh, that's the right. And it's all about data. Everything they're doing is all about data. So I want to give them the tools to actually be able to use that data in the right way. 
Great. So where can oil and gas companies find more information about Connect DDS? Uh, so our website, we are in the process of, uh, we've actually got a brand new website, uh, and there's a section for oil and gas, um, in the process of working on some white papers, um, which will be available out there hopefully very soon. Um, yeah, I guess over the next six months, I'm going to be working very hard on, uh, promoting, uh, um, essentially connects at lots of conferences, uh, through papers, uh, We'll have some customer announcements coming out, uh, hopefully in the next few months. So, uh, just look forward to that. A lot of things on the horizon. Yes. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for taking the time to share your insights on how the industrial internet of things will certainly disrupt this market and eventually revolutionize the way this industry operates. Uh, but one last question before you go, you know, as we live in this amazing moment in history where innovation is rapidly growing, and new applications arise every day. You know, being personally being able to work in this uh, space and help developers sort of carve out the future, what gets you most excited about RTI and Connects DDS? Uh, I think for me, it's because uh, I, I started my career doing pure computer science stuff in the uh, real time operating systems and compilers. And then when I moved to Houston, it was just natural to get into oil and gas. And one thing that really excited me um, about the industry itself is it's it's not a typical like nine to five job in an office. I mean, it's really a lot of field work, uh, understanding lots of different sciences and kinds of different things. But as I realized early on, it's, it is a very antiquated um, industry. And I, and I really don't mean that in the pejorative. It's just, it's slow to adopt new technology. Um, and as a technologist, that's one thing that, that really excited me was like, here is essentially like a block of clay with a lot of opportunity to start, you know, making a difference and really trying to revolutionize uh, a new industry. And having gone through many, many years of, uh, you know, distributed systems and actually trying to develop my own solutions for uh, a middleware, um, kind of that very important infrastructure to a system. Uh, you, you know, you spend so much of your time working on that. You don't actually get to work on the problems that you want to. And it's, it's not an easy thing to build. Um, so years ago I was working on a project, uh, and it was all based around DDS. Um, and I had never actually used DDS. Um, and then once we actually got to implementing the project, um, and, you know, we got our first Connects license and then uh, we set down that, that path. And from that point on, I was just uh, personally uh, addicted to uh, the way that I could design and view and, and build a system because it was really, truly all about the data. And that's what systems are all about. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's exciting because uh, it's just a chance to kind of revolutionize an, an entire industry. And it's an industry that that is going to be impacted uh, by technology in a very dramatic way. So uh, being able to be part of uh, RTI, it gives me the opportunity to go out and evangelize uh, much more and to, you know, work with a lot more people uh, in a capacity I wasn't able to before. Well, once again, I want to thank you for joining us. Yeah, Stephen, thanks. And thanks to everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Mark, thank you very much for stopping by and talking with us. Join us next time when we speak to talent partner Nicole Ho about the top 10 reasons to work for RTI. If you have suggestions or feedback on this or other episodes, 
please contact us at podcast at rti.com. Thanks and have a great day.